Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Extra Point Show on WGR Sports Radio 550. Happy Thursday morning, everyone. Zach Jones and Joe Kelly hanging out with you for the next two hours as we fill in here on the Extra Point Show. Joe, how are we doing this morning, man? Doing all right, doing all right. Excited to get on and chat with you about some sports happenings, that's for sure. This is your this is your weekday yeah. debut, right? Weekday debut, yeah. Minus the nightcaps. Minus that's the really nightcap, yeah. that's right, that's right. Yeah, because you filled in for me a little bit last year, because yeah. I take off for March Madness. It's not even, not even it's not even <laughs> Not question, no, no. No, it, well, because I, you know, I lie to our bosses when I'm taking off. They're like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to be out of town on the whole thing. And, like, our bosses now are like, you just take off for March Madness. And I'm like, absolutely. like Completely understandable. 100%. So yeah, you filled in there, and then you've done a little bit on Bill's post or uh, pregame as well. Yes, a little bit. Nice, um, nice. Some s- little appearances on Sports Talk Saturdays and things along those lines as well. So Beautiful. yeah, the weekday debut for real. Getting up, hell yeah! This is exciting. This is fun. This yeah. is fun. So yeah, <laughs> you had to get up early this morning. That's exciting. Oh yeah, I got, I got up early this morning. I got to tell you, I made a terrible decision. Mm-hmm. I went to a local coffee shop that is local in the Canadian region and Buffalo. Oh okay. And I got a coconut like blue raspberry drink. Mm. I made the decision thinking, like, oh, it'll taste a lot like blue raspberry. Doesn't. It's like straight coconut? It's like coconut with, like, a hint of citrus. Interesting. And I am not in a good place with it. See, are you a coconut fan? No. Like, oh, see, I no. am. I think I would really like what that. You know what I mean? I ordered that with courage in my heart, thinking it's going to be blue raspberry. The ratio is going to be yeah, more to blue no, raspberry size. Because they yeah. led with blue raspberry, and then in the back they're, like, with coconut syrup. And I'm like... No, they just pumped that coconut syrup in they there. They yeah. straight to my face. <laughs> and I'm. it's not a good start to the morning. It's no. not a good start to the morning. No. Do you have the Sabres tonight? Mm-hmm. Playing at 7 o'clock. They're playing Florida, who's on their second game of a back-to-back. They beat up on Pittsburgh yesterday. Very badly. And now we get Sam Reinhart's return, who's maybe having his best season of his career, and I heard Jeremy and Joe talking about it. We were talking about it with them as they were leaving as well, of like, cool, cool, Sam Reinhart's going to score maybe his 40th goal tonight in Buffalo. And, man, he is – what do you remember from those era of, like, the Sabres teams when, like, they first got Eichel, Reinhardt's what, like, in his second or third year, they get O'Reilly, they get Kane. It, like, it actually felt like, hey, this is exciting, like, this is something – yeah, I just remember the incredible disappointment I feel. I don't really have any good memories from that. No, I, I don't either. And it was, truthfully, I mean, I was just getting into high school at that point in time. I was a sophomore when they went on their 10-game, 11-game win streak. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started to get back into the Sabres. Because as a kid, 
I, I never really could sit down and watch a Sabres game because they just it was it wasn't eventful hockey. It was, um, you know, they were losing quite a bit, so it wasn't yep. anything interesting to get into. And you know, you had the Bills on the the come up. That was you know not really at that point, but you thought it would be with mm-hmm. EJ Manuel, I guess. You know, as a kid. But oh man, I could I could talk all all day EJ. about EJ Manuel, but um, no, I, I I remember Sam Reinhart. Nothing but like you know the. Being touted as like he's going to come here, change things around big time, right? Yeah, he's going to be the start of what will eventually be the turnaround for the Sabres. Right, and that unfortunately, because coaching decisions and things along those lines, other things, it did not work out that way. And uh, the classic Buffalo fashion, he goes to another team and absolutely just pops off. His so. highest goal total with the Sabres was 25 goals. He did that twice in the 2017-2018 season and then the 2020-2021 season. In 54 games, by the way, he did that. He, that's pretty darn good yeah. run. And then with Florida, he has topped that every single year. In his first year with Florida, 33 goals. Last year, 31. And then this year, he's over, he's going to be 40-plus. He's at 39. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to push 50, if not get past it. 100%. What what a run by him. So that's exciting. That's fun. Yeah. Can't wait for that. No, right. I mean, I've I've been to the Jack Oko return games right before. Oh, did you go to the first one? The first one and the second one. Wow. And the first one, the booze, like it was, it was great because then – you had it stolen away from him at the end for the game win, all of that, right? So it was like, yes, we won the trade, you know, <laughs> like in in the short term there. Then he's healthy, comes back mm-hmm, around, mm-hmm. and scores a Hattie in the second in the second one. So yeah, that was not not the best you could say. So I'm hoping, you know what? As a Sam Reinhardt fan, nothing but you know I decent. Don't th- I don't think anyone actually like dislikes Sam. Reinhardt. No, like it's not like. You know, the Jack Eichel hate, right? You're not getting any of that for Sam yeah. Reinhardt. So, congratulations, I guess. You're going to score your 40th in Buffalo, maybe. Like, I don't know. Like, like, just, you can, <laughs> he can do it in like a 5 1 loss. Yeah. Right. Like, that'll be cool. Right. But if it's the game winner in overtime, you're like, oh, man. You know, that's like, going like, to gonna be tough. Like, so, man, we've had like a few returning Sabres score hat tricks. Ryan O'Reilly with Toronto. Yes. That was atrocious. That, that hurt my soul. Uh huh. That hurt me. That's one of my favorite Sabres moments as a kid. Now, I wouldn't even say as a kid, but like, you know, a an, an, an late teenager. Yeah. Leaving work to go watch the draft where they select Eichel mm-hmm. and they make the trade for Ryan O'Reilly. They had gotten Kane in the season prior, so you're kind of building that up. Because I think he was injured when he first got here, so that was that was that kind of excitement. Then there were rumblings most of that day that like, hey, the Sabres are going to get active here, even though they're also taking Eichel. They take Eichel. And also the Ryan O'Reilly trade happened. Mm-hmm. And I remember me and my dad are driving home from the arena. And my dad's just sitting there going, all right. Like, he's just, like, like kind of at a loss for words. Because at that point, the Bills were still bad. Yeah. Like, there was really – Kyle Orton was just the yeah. quarterback. Like that, <laughs> And you really didn't have any feeling that, like, they're going to get out of this. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like when they first drafted EJ where you're excited. I could really – EJ Manuel, I've got stories. Maybe, man. maybe we'll tap on that. We, we might have to because, like, <laughs> I like I remember, like, I'm in Disney World when he's playing his first preseason game against the Colts, and mm-hmm. I actively leave the parks to go back to my hotel room because I knew the game was on TV. Yeah, and I watched him play the Indianapolis Colts, and I, thirteen, fourteen year old Zach, truly built up in his head that EJ was going to be a star. I think I ignored everything else. Like my yeah. my swim coach at the time was a Florida State alum. Huge Florida State fan, obviously, and he was like, "Zach, it's a bad pick." Yeah, and I was like, "You're a loser. <laughs> like, I, just, you're wrong." Yeah, and uh, he was right. He's spot on. Yeah. But, oh man, but yeah, like I, that's maybe the highest bit of emotions I've had for the Sabers 
Mm-hmm. Outside, I feel like you could hear it deflate, like, too. Yeah, outside mm-hmm. of, like, in-season win streaks, like, last year was a lot of fun the entire year. But in terms of, like, hype going into a season, yeah, it was only topped by this year. Yeah, because... Going into this year. They played meaningful games in... March. As the, I, I know as the we great actually hit it. We, we actually did it. Said. Yeah, we so, did it. Yeah, and we played meaningful games in March. And I don't know. I went to a game with my family, my siblings, and my my dad and stepmom. And it was just last season. It would have been exciting to watch even if they were losing. The style of offense they oh, played with. Oh man, right? it was so much fun. This season, I'm sitting there in the third period. I'm like, okay, it's two to one. Do I see this coming back? No. Do I are see they, they're are, one goal? Do I see them coming back? Yeah. No, are I they don't. playing? Fun hockey? No. They mm-hmm. they were just they were out goalied, unfortunately, at the end of the day. That's the story of that game mm-hmm. against the stars. But it was just it wasn't eventful hockey. There were a couple hits, right? Yeah. But they were the young, spry team that was just blowing people's minds on this high style high flying offense. I mean they're, and they're, they went away from it. Their kid line, which featured two rookie wingers, was yeah. like one of the most potent offensive lines in hockey. Yes. And it just all went away, man. I yep. like I hate when like I come on air and like the only time I talk about the Sabers is kind of to trash them. Yeah, like we're we're uh, we're gonna be joined by Paul Hamilton at the bottom of the hour here just to you know kind of get an idea of what's going on with this game. But like that's my thing. Like I'm going off of this. Like hey, you won seven to nothing against the Kings. That's amazing. Yeah, you're playing Florida on a back to back. Like that should set up well for you. And UPL's playing his best hockey right now. So of his career. Career. I mean the. The gentleman has a double hip replacement. Let's just be honest here. So yeah. it's kind of remarkable he's doing what he's doing. I'm he, be honest he's with you. been phenomenal this year. And my only thought process is I can't wait for them to lose this game. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, you just <laughs> you and, can't and get, get that it. out of your head. It's and an I, intrusive and, thought. And I don't want to say, like, that like, Flor- like they should beat Florida. Florida's a very good team. I mean, Ryan Hardigan is going to score 40 goals. If the Sabres have a 40-goal scorer this year, a miracle would have occurred. Yeah. But. Like that's my thought process. It's just like they can play with anybody. Mm-hmm. They've shown it. They like they can run people out of the barn every night. Right. And they're that scary like, team. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it just feels like they just you know they have to like have like a rah rah speech to get them up there. They have to have fire Donnie chants in the stands for them to even like right. get up and play. And it's so disheartening, especially like Joe. I don't know if we've talked about this off air, but. Like I said last year, I thought this was one of the most likable Buffalo sports teams in recent memory. I think we did talk about I think, it off I think we because did. we were talking about you know the Bills at six and six at one point in the season yeah. versus the Sabers at five hundred. Like, can they make the push like where they were last season? Yep. We're like they're exciting to watch. They're so exciting. The Bills, it's the same story every year. They go out in the divisional round. Yeah, right? like for the Bills, yeah. I, I got to a point where I'm like, I hate all of you. Yeah, like, and, it, and it was it was nothing they did. It was just more like we're doing this again, and it's, I can't. It's do a it broken again. record with them. Yeah, yeah. And, you're, mm-hmm. and, you, and it breaks your heart. Where with the Sabers, it's like that new relationship, and yep. like all of a sudden the honeymoon phase is yeah. over now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're releasing all these fun videos like between two stalls with Jeff Skinner. Yep, their Twitter account and their Instagram accounts were constantly funny and poking fun. And stuff, and you're mm-hmm. like, this is good. This is good. This is what we want. Yeah. Have you noticed like all that's also like just gone, gone away? And it wasn't even like in the summer either, like getting close to the season. Like it felt almost like after free agency when their big moves were Eric Johnson and, and Connor Clifton, it just ended. Yep. Like, and yeah. they were like, like it. It almost felt like in a way, cosmically, they kind of knew the season's going to be bad. And, I, and we maybe, like, shouldn't, like, keep playing fun. Yeah. Because this probably won't go well. And I don't think they felt that way. But that's how, it, in my mind, it is built up that, like, right. when those were their two free agent acquisitions, 
And Jack Quinn also gets hurt in July. And I mean, Joe, yeah. how, how can you recover from a guy that gets hurt in the middle of the offseason? Well, you, you apparently can't. Yeah, I guess I guess not, right? I guess you don't have enough time to really, you know, get get a plan together and figure no, that out when you're not playing you, you, none, hockey you three times a week or whatever. But no, it's just they steered away from the type of play that got them one point away from the playoffs last year, right? Oh, man, they didn't go get a veteran goaltender. They put it on the shoulders of a 21-year-old my age. You put the face of the fran- like the franchise on his mm-hmm. shoulders, right? You're killing his confidence the more you leave him out there in these horrible situations, right? I just remember early on, yeah. me, me and Josh talked about it yesterday, early on, one of his first few games, across ice. Yeah. Just a, like a saucer pass almost goes in the net, and, and it did. It, they just didn't have a, 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 an angle to show it. Right. And that, to me, I was like, oh, he's, he can't. He, like, he's got to develop. Yeah. And to be fair, since he's been in Rochester, he's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. When he put that eagle head on, I, I don't know yeah. the exact name of it, when he did that, yep. that the, the switch flipped. But I think you needed to let him develop, and you needed that free agent acquisition you needed was a veteran goaltender. And I think either a veteran goaltender or just like for for me a big thing has been you, you, stop defense. keeping all these offensive prospects. Yeah, right. Yeah, go oh, get yeah. go get a sure-handed defenseman who's mm-hmm. not thirty-five, thirty-six years old, and Air Johnson. Yeah, go get somebody. Like be we, we shouldn't be to, trusting Jacob Bryson anymore, even though he had a decent game. The I guess other they're night, six but. and zero with him in the lineup, which yeah, has completely yeah. thrown me. I got to ask Paul about that. Cause I feel like that's <laughs> wrong. I feel like I'm being gaslit with that. I saw that on X or Twitter, formerly Twitter, yesterday. I think after after mm-hmm. their most recent game, someone's. Someone found that stat, and I was like, this is unbelievable because he, I think he's the one I trash on the most when he's on the ice. 100%. Like most of us yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I feel terrible, but most of us do. Like, I, hate just... to, I hate to be that couch fan, but I, I have to be watching this team. Oh, with hockey specifically, I'm a couch fan. Yeah. Like very spe- – I cannot ice skate. <laughs> I can't do anything on hockey, but like in, in the back of my mind something will happen, and I will convince myself for like three seconds – I could have done better. <laughs> like it just and it like and I immediately go. Zach, well, no, you couldn't. It's that classic thought, right? Like Diggs dropped that big pass in the Chiefs game, right? Every every couch coordinator I caught out it in there, my backyard. Yeah, times. I could have caught that from him. That was right on the money. I'm like, okay, run neck and neck with a elite defenseman. Like, come on, like what are we doing yeah. here? Like, like there's no way. There's nothing, no way. There's nothing better than being a fan no. <laughs> and being angry at the same time. Yeah, it's just where it's, you convince yourself. I'm an, I'm a pro athlete. I've been a pro athlete my entire life. There are some people who are former pro athletes where I'll take that from. You know, yeah. maybe maybe you could have done that. Yeah, like I've no I, I actually about. seen you do yeah, that. Right, but no, no, not not the couch that not the couch coordinators and receivers out there. No, but. But yeah, Sabers do play tonight at seven o'clock. They host the Florida Panthers pregame right here on WGR. It's going to get started at six o'clock, and we'll get a little more Sabers talk coming in on the bottom of the hour when our own Paul Hamilton will join us before practice this morning. Uh, but kind of for the, like the I guess the thesis of the show today, me and Joe were talking a little bit about it before the show started. What you know, we're, we're hearing a lot of trade talk. I know Joe also tweeted out today, not Joe Kelly, but no, Joe the Diossi, other, yeah, the, yeah, from a few, <laughs> for a few hours ago. I realized that as I'm saying, I'm like, we actually have two Joes back to back here, yeah. Um, tweeted out what the Falcons did to trade up for Julio Jones, and I've seen a lot of people on Twitter. I, that want that like the idea of trading up for a receiver, and so I kind of wanted to take that and kind of run with it, and not necessarily just talk about trade ups. But what is your dream scenario for this off season? And no, I do not mean firing Sean McDermott. We're past that point now. We are now with the current crew yeah. they have. What's your dream scenario for the off season? And for me, another receiver we've kind of talked about a ton, not in terms of trading up, but in terms of just trading or potentially moving off of, is Stephon Diggs. 
I'm somebody that does not want to see Diggs get moved, Joe. I'm not. I'm not. I would rather just kind of see this play out and them eventually kind of replace him with younger guys. There is somebody I would love for the Bills to move off of and would love to see if they could find a trade partner. Who who may who may that be? That's Dawson Knox. Oh. And I know a lot of people like him a ton, and he's, a, he's been a great person in the community, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But the contract he signed never made sense when it happened. No. They gave him a Travis Kelsey-level contract at that time. Yeah, an early, like an early, like, we think you're going to become something. Well, because with under Brian Dable's offense, he was looking like that. Well, yeah the, year, yeah, the year before he gets that contract extension, like, he was making big plays. It looked early on that, like, oh, wow, like, okay, like, here we go. Like, mm-hmm. he's a main factor. Like, whenever Josh would roll to the right, yeah. you kind of knew Knox is going to be open. Right, end zone. He was, was, he was a, a big contributor to, for touchdowns, big too. Big contributor. Mm-hmm. But then they go out and draft Kincaid, and Kincaid basically tops all of his career bests in his rookie year. Outside yeah. of touchdowns, he only had two this year, but I expect that to rise That'll pretty change. quickly. That'll change, yeah. yeah I expect mm-hmm. that to rise pretty quickly. And you sign him, though, to a four-year, $52 million contract. Mm-hmm. 31.2 of that is guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. I, listen, I, I'm a big Dawson Knox fan. I own a jersey of Dawson Knox. I, I love tight ends. That, that's my favorite position in football. Really? I really do. I, I always have. I had a Charles Clay jersey, then that's horrible. Like, that's I, disgusting. I, I did not know that about you. I, I got to talk. Tight ends and linebackers now. are my two favorite to watch, like Matt Milano and Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid, of course. Those are, yeah. my, those are my favorites. Oh, but, um, fascinating. Yeah, it's just, it's truthfully, it's, it's a tough situation because he does do what he does well when he's healthy, mm-hmm. right? After mm-hmm. that wrist surgery, when he was out for an extended period of time. He came back and made some big plays in the end zone. Like, yeah. He was targeted two times in that first playoff game, or maybe the Patriots game. I'm not sure. One of them. Mm-hmm. Two targets. One was a drop and one was a touchdown. So, hey, listen, I mean, he might not be your guy to make plays in the field, but in the end zone, he's a lock, right? He's better at blocking than Kincaid in a lot of scenarios as well, I will yep. say that. Well, yeah, I mean, Kincaid coming out of Utah, his big thing was he can't block. Right, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's a receiver. But he's gotten better with that. Him and Spencer Brown blocking like, very works. Quickly. Yeah, yeah, very it works, quickly. But better with it. I think a restructure might be in order for Dawson Knox, if that's possible. I don't know if it is or not. Like, that's the thing. I think it's the thing is, like, I'll, I'll never fault a player for not taking, like, a huge pay cut and, like, a restructuring. Right. I would love, though, if they could restructure it to where he gets a lot of his money now in bonuses and stuff because his dead cap for this year is $20.2 million. Yeah, you got you got to put incentives on that. Yeah. you got to restructure it into incentives. Because that hurts. And his, 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 um, his average – oh, i got to find this now. His average annual salary is going to be $13 million. It's not a great contract, but I have been thinking of teams that could potentially – be willing to take that on because they have room to do so and mm-hmm. because there is an out in 2025. Ah, okay. So his dead cap goes from in 2024 $20.2 million. It drops in 25 to $7.8 million. Right, so a rebuilding team looking to take on a tight end can take that salary for a year and if it doesn't work, just take, drop them. Yeah, drop them. And, and you're not. And you're taking the lesser there. end of it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me as well, I think a lot of it too is I'm willing to bite the bullet on this and say, Screwed it up. That's yeah. fine. Namely, because of who the Bills GM is, that being Brandon Bean, if he gets a fifth-round pick, I kind of trust him either to use that to move up in rounds three or four or even two. Mm-hmm. 
or use that fifth round pick to go get a younger cornerback or another safety or something in like in those positions. Your where, defense is going to get younger. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the value can be used correctly on positions where you don't need to go to the first round to get a cornerback who's going to be you know cornerback two with Christian Benford. Like yeah, you can go Kyer, to the fifth round yeah. mm-hmm. and be like, sweet, like you go right there. We're not going to throw you to the wolves right away, but then like pretty quickly it'll be you. And as well, that if, if you could move off of Knox and maybe take half the salary while like team like Carolina takes the other half, mm-hmm. it'll allow you maybe to sign back somebody like Leonard Floyd for a year. Who right? You're going to need help on the edge. AJ Epinesa is going to be a free agent this year. You really only got Greg Rousseau and mm-hmm. Von Miller as your edge guys. That's kind of concerning. Now here's my question though. Yes, Leonard Floyd broke his season record in sacks, right? He was 10-plus. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. What's the upside there, though? Mm-hmm. Like, is he go- he's he's only going to get older. Is he's that only- going to continue? Yeah. But here's the thing, too. A.J. Epinesa is going to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. This is a cherry-pick stat for you. Sorry. More interceptions it. on the season than Sauce Gardner had on the Jets. There we go. He... I think there's more upside to keeping Epinesa around, I'm going to be honest with you, than... Leonard Floyd was great. Like I, we brought him in as not we. The Bills brought him in as a service guy, right, mm-hmm. to fill Von Miller's spot while he was recovering from his injury. Mm-hmm. He did more than that. He subverted people's expectations and went above and beyond and was a starter pretty much on yeah. the defense. Right? Is he going to continue to do that consistently? Is the question with age? He's only getting older from here, and. I think Epinesa's got that age factor where he's young and mm-hmm. he's finally starting to take those steps to the point where you're like, okay, AJ's for real. Yeah. Like we drafted him, he's he's showing up, he's doing what he needs to do. I will tell you on Floyd too, he had one sack in his final six games and he had none in the postseason this yeah. year. So that's that like, defense kind of stalled in the postseason. Yeah, in general, it, but, not not great, not mm-hmm. great. And then Epinesa though, while I, I'm with you on that. Like he has the age where like you can still see the potential. Yeah, he had no sacks in his final five games. Right, but and that was that also, also includes the post. Or well, that actually then adds on to the postseason as well. He did nab that injury heading he towards the end of the season. Yep. That's kind of where I'm like, okay, pre-injury he was consistently doing well. I would say, yeah, you know, he was getting to the quarterback and tipping passes to himself, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. getting back and getting pressure on and. That's something we didn't see out of AJ Epinesa for years since he got drafted. Like you've well, been like, what is he going to do? His first year was essentially a redshirt year. Like, yeah. we, nobody knew what he was doing. No, because yeah, I don't know. I thought we were going to see him at linebacker at one point with all the injuries we had. Mm-hmm. But it was just, I, 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 I see some upside for keeping him around. I think, I think it's a thing. And when I look at somebody like like Dawson Knox, I think that that contract is more palatable for a bad team with a ton of cap who maybe just needs like all weapon. Like, yeah, not, because, not Knox has proven in his career he is a weapon yeah. for teams. And all you've said about all you have at Carolina is Adam Thielen, and he really regressed towards the end of the season. Yeah, so you have like, a couple more, but yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. you don't have a first round pick either, so no. you're not going to add in the you know Marvin Harrison Jr., mm-hmm. Malik Nate. Roma Dunze, Brock Bowers. You need to help Bryce Young. Yeah, and so like, I, look, I expect them to probably draft a receiver with their first pick of the second round. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if they added somebody where they're like, yeah, he worked really well with Josh Allen. Maybe he'll work well with our guy. developing Cause, Josh cause, Allen because we need mm-hmm. we desperately need our guy and Bryce Young to work. Yeah, I could see that. It's just I I do think the Bills are going to have to get a little cute with in terms of like you're going to have to keep some of this. Mm-hmm. But with the potential out in 25, I do think that contract becomes a little bit more palatable for teams who have cap space. Yeah, because it won't lock them into a five year commitment to a guy that look the Bills are willing to move off of them. Mm-hmm. And I think another really the big thing for me too is that. They need help a wide receiver desperately. I think we all agree on that. And there's and they're probably going to take multiple within the first five rounds. Oh, 100%. Because now all of a sudden, where does Knox fit? 
Yeah, because now you've got Kincaid taking the first snaps pretty much. And and if you're limiting the clearly better tight end to appease Knox because of the contract, which I don't imagine the Bills would do, that's... But you're also really wasting money keeping management. keeping yeah. Knox on the squad as a second stringer. You know yeah. what I mean? You're not utilizing that contract yeah. it, technically. It, it gets ugly really, really fast. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about this after our next segment as we bring in our own Paul Hamilton as we get ready for the Sabres to take on the Florida Panthers later tonight at 7 pregame starting at 6, both, of course, right here on WGR. We'll do that after a quick timeout. You're listening to the Extra Point Show. This is WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Paul Hamilton. We should be friends. He has the facts to back up his opinions. Phenough just pooped his pants. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Happy Thursday morning, everyone. Sabres are in action tonight. They take on the Florida Panthers. We're on game two of a back-to-back. And we're joined now by our own Paul Hamilton. Morning, Paul. How are we doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing very well. The sun was out earlier today. It is now cloudy and cold, so the morning is taking a turn. But I know. think you're going to get some snow before the day's over. All right. Well, oh, this boy. interview's over with. Paul just ruined my day. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, Paul, what's the plan for today? I don't think we're going to get any kind of updates on Owen Power, right? That's probably going to come after this week. But uh, as we can hear behind you, practice is going on. Yeah, they started their morning skate. Uh, they didn't skate yesterday, so uh, most of the guys are out there. I took a real quick count, uh, but I, so I believe most of them are out there. There's nobody that's sticking out to me that isn't. So, yeah, I, I think the only question is who's going to be, is it Robinson or Olafson as the extra forward? Other than that, I mean, we know Ugo Pekalukinen is the goaltender until further notice. I don't even say he's in the starter's net anymore. It's kind of like he's in the starter's net until I tell you he's not, basically. <laughs> that's that's um, going to be like the big story. Is Yeah, UPL's yeah. not starting. Yeah. I, honestly, I, I don't think we're going to be talking about that until they have that back-to-back in March, early March, with Toronto and Nashville. I think that would be the first time either Comrie or Levi get into the crease. And and on that with Levi, like, would you expect them to call him up? He's he's been very good in Rochester since going back down there. Or do they just say, nah, stay down there, keep riding that out, keep doing what you're doing, and, and roll with Comrie there? For me, 
unless they're in the middle of a 10-game winning streak or something. Uh, even if there's an injury, I do not mess with him. I, I would, If it were me, I would keep him down there for the rest of the season, tell him Rochester is his team. He's the number one goalie. Now, playoffs, whatever it might be, and leave it at that. And even if Lukanen were to get hurt, I think I'd just call up Tukarski at this point of the season. I mean, there's, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. It's, it's, I mean, mathematically they can, but I think we all know that they're not. I don't think there's any reason to kid yourself, and I think it's better for Levi if you just let him be Rochester's goalie for the rest of the year. Do you think that'll benefit Levi going forward in future seasons as well? Like, is that something, you know, do you think they bring him up next season, or is that something down the road that they figure out? I don't, I don't really know what to think about it, you know? Yeah, it's something down the road they would figure out. Um, so, yeah, look at it that way that, um, you know, right now I think they're just looking at this season and then take a look at what what are you going to do next season. You're probably not going to have Comrie around, so if your plan is to give Levi another year of seasoning, then you would have to sign a goaltender to be with Lukanen, but I don't think there's any question. Lukanen, unless he falls apart in the next month and a half is right now their number one goaltender and for the near future i will say uh you know levi i think is going to be a good goaltender and i i think eventually what we're going to get to here maybe next year maybe the year after is something like the bruins have where both goaltenders play and i, I could see that happening eventually here but not now i will take anything that the <laughs> bruins do for the sabers to yeah. emulate that i will <laughs> Come take on. anything with that emulate that oh speaking of their uh, um their opponent and, and, and all that with Florida. Sam Reinhart, Paul. Uh, I was driving in this morning and I heard Jeremy and Joe bring up that he's hit 39 goals and could score 40 tonight against Buffalo. I was talking with with our boss, Al Davis. The moment he got to Florida, he went from his high being 25 goals in Buffalo to he's like a perennial 30-goal scorer this year now. He's staring down 50. What have you made from him this season in Florida? Yeah, and there was never, ever any question about his talent. I mean, and it never made sense why three different general managers refused to offer him a long-term contract, and that's why he left. I mean, he said it, and quite honestly, I don't blame him. And I said that then. I mean, they never showed him the respect. Other guys got long-term contracts, but for whatever the reason was, they never showed him that respect. He was doing the things that... You know, he was supposed to be doing on the ice. And, uh, you know, he, he still couldn't get that long term. Now, I think Kevin Adams was pretty much willing to do it. But by that time, I think Reinhardt basically had his feelings hurt. And, again, I, I put it that way, but I don't blame him. And said, you know what, I've had enough. You know, I'm, I, I'm going to move on. You know, he, he was a restricted free agent. They could have signed him for one more year. And then he would have become an unrestricted free agent, and that's why they made the deal, because he basically told them that I don't want to stay, and I get it. I understand why, because he was a very productive player here in Buffalo, and uh, you know he was that guy that you could kind of count on to be consistent. And you know, you talked about those twenty-five goals, but you know, I, I it was only in fifty-four games. So he, you know, mm-hmm. without you know, if he would have played 82 games that year, 2021, which uh, you know is the COVID year, he's on a pace easily to break 30 goals. So that would have been four seasons in a row where you know he would have had 30 goal seasons. Speaking of scoring goals, the Sabers have relatively had a very difficult time of doing that this year. But 
on Tuesday they put seven on the LA Kings and another shutout win for UPL. Very impressive. Paul, though, I, I've had, like, a tough time, like, I guess, like, rationalizing that game as, like, anything other than, like, uh, oh, that was fun. But, I, I don't know. I Get back to reality kind yeah, of a feel. I, yeah. I guess that's where mm-hmm. I'm at. Like, I'm, I'm having this almost feeling, like, me and Joe were joking about it, that, like, yeah, great, they put up seven against the Kings, they'll score one against Florida. Is it fair to say, Paul, or, or did you see maybe something was turning for these guys after the LA game? It would be turning if they would play that way on most nights. But unfortunately, that game is the exception and not the rule. And that's the way that Don Granado wants them to play. That's the way when they do play, they normally win. They won't normally play very well. Not recently, because even when they play that way, they haven't been able to put bucks in the net. But they haven't totally committed to playing that way, even though they played well against the Dallas Stars. They didn't have a net front presence or have pucks and, and players going to the net like they did against Los Angeles. They had that all night long where players and pucks were going to the net. And it, they just showed that when they do that, what the type of team that they can be. And I think that's what ma- what was maddening for the fans. They enjoyed that game. But I think fans were saying, where has that been? Why don't you play that way more when we could enjoy your games more? And, uh, you know, that's the the million-dollar question that everybody's been asking all season long because that game, not necessarily the seven goals, but that game is what they expected this season from this hockey team and have rarely gotten it. Right, more offensive than defensive in a lot of ways and just high-flying. Um, question, though, for you, Paul. Zach and I stumbled onto a stat here on, uh, for Jacob Bryson uh, that they are 6-0 and when he mm-hmm. is starting in the game. Is that What, what are your thoughts on that? Is he, is he uh, a key part to that defensive front there? Uh, no, it's a coincidence, but still, it gives him a little bit of confidence when he's playing that you, know, you can play a little bit better when your team's playing well and winning. You know, so... Uh, now, I will say he was a big part of the win against Los Angeles. I thought he was excellent. I thought he, it, it was the best game I've seen him play in two years. I thought he was very good, and not just because he had two assists, but the two assists came from him playing well, you know, and, and be moving the puck. I thought he uh, got the puck out of the zone, he and Clifton, his partner, very well. Uh, you know, I didn't see any, any problems with that at all, and I didn't see turnovers or loss in confidence, and... You know, maybe going down to Rochester and then playing some games. And then he's he played two games on the California trip, so it hadn't been that long since he had played in the NHL. I think helped him maybe to get to back to the Jacob Bryson we saw two years ago uh, where, you know, he was starting to show some promise. Paul, final question from me. It, it seems like the Sabres are kind of in a run here the next few games that could put them in a position at least to make the end of the season exciting. I, like you, you said right at the top here, they're not mathematically eliminated, but they're probably not making the playoffs this year. But with Florida tonight coming off a back-to-back, they beat Pittsburgh last night. You get Minnesota, they're in a relatively similar position to you on Saturday. Anaheim at home on Monday, and then Montreal on Wednesday, at Montreal on Wednesday. It feels like they're in a pretty solid spot to like put some wins together. Why have they not been able to win at least three games in a row this year? It just it, it feels like whenever they get going, it, it does feel like they would kind of just shoot themselves in the foot and just essentially hit reset. Well, I think it's a mentally fragile team. I think they're given outs by the coaching staff. 
uh, you know, talking about pressure all the time, and there's pressure for this, now there's pressure for this, now there's pressure for this, and they have to play through that. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, they have not reacted well. And who would have thought that all but Paterka and and Skinner – or Skinner with his goals, although that's gone down. But what will happen is he'll score five goals in five games pretty soon, and his goals will be back up again. Uh, that's just the way he goes. But his assists are down this year. So, you know, Paterka really is the guy in Lukanen that didn't regress. And uh, it's when you got your whole team regressing, it, it's just not going to work for you. Interestingly enough, by the way, I'm going to change the topic here. Don Granado's not running this practice. You know where he is? He's sitting on the bench with Owen Power, and they have not stopped talking since we've gone on the air. Hmm. And I think maybe just going over maybe what they're seeing in drills, going over different situations. Uh, you know, Granado has his skates on, but I think he saw Power sitting there and thought it might be more valuable just to sit through a, a practice with him and go over things with him and just talk hockey, you know, and pick his brain a little bit about what whatever – you know, going on with him, but I just find that interesting that uh, he's been parked there with uh, power the whole practice so far. And that is something I've always loved with Granado, especially when he when he first got the nod to be head coach. With everything going on with Darlene, he really seemed to kind of pick him up almost single-handedly to the point where last year we were seeing what, what felt like was going to be potentially n- multiple Norse winning type Darlene performances. He was I- exceptional last year. Phenomenal. Hopefully, there are pros and cons with Don Granado. There are a mm-hmm, lot of things mm-hmm. I, I mentioned I didn't like that I think he gives them outs. There are a lot of things I do like. I like the style that he wants them to play. I just don't understand why they can't get it through their heads that when they play that way, they usually are a very good team and can win. Uh, so it, that that's that's the puzzling part that I look at. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are some good parts with the coach and there are some bad parts with the coach. And uh, one thing Don Granado is going for him as far as what, what kind of decision the Sabres make about him in the offseason is, you know, his contract extension hasn't started yet. And, I don't know what kind of appetite Terry Pagula will have about paying a coach whose contract extension hasn't started yet if he's not coaching. It'll yeah. definitely be interesting. All right, Paul, we know you got to get going, so we'll talk to you later tonight on the pregame. Nice talking to you guys. Take care. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. That was our own Paul Hamilton on the West Her Hotline as the Sabres get ready for tonight's game against the Florida Panthers. And, yeah, I, like I'm right there with Paul. Like, it's just this team has moments where, like, again, on Tuesday, like, they can just run anyone out of the barn. That was last year's Sabres every, pretty much felt, the entire season. It felt season. like every night. And the problem was for them was they weren't getting goaltending, and their defense was still pretty leaky. Yeah. This year, I mean, the defense is still not great, but they're getting, getting goaltending. awesome goaltending performances that, like, last year's team, yeah, they'd have been, like, a nine-game win streak because they're just like, yeah, we're putting up five goals a night, and we're getting, like, only two goals against. It'd be amazing. Yeah, and from the early 20s goaltender who had double hip surgery. Like, that's who you're getting fantastic (laughs) goaltending from, right? Just incredible turn of events for the Sabres, and I do not mean that in a positive sense. No. And I I could not agree with Paul Moore. I've I've said it multiple times. 
And and I'm glad I'm not crazy or not the only thing. It's just they seem like such a mentally fragile team that like it really does. It feels like their egos have to be brushed constantly. They have to get the rah rah speeches to get going, and that is just that's not the way to be a professional athlete. No. You have to. We we see it in the movies of like all these like big speeches and all this. Yeah, stuff. the Disney movies, right? Come on, guys, it's yeah. the second half. Let's get out there. Let's and attack get out this. there. And get, like, yeah. like it's Air Bud or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. But like it's not the game like, plan. No, like, it's you're not. You're a professional athlete, and for many of these guys, you've been. A semi-professional athlete since you were like fourteen. Yeah, like this they, has been your trajectory. Yeah, like, get into it. And, then, you know? and that's where we were talking about earlier. Like they went from like to me, it felt like one of the more likable sports teams in Buffalo in a long time. In the, and easily a lot in the likeable, NHL too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and easily the most likable Sabres team since oh five or oh six oh seven. Easily, yeah. And in like an eight month period, like not even a full year, not not even a full year. All of a sudden, you're sitting there going like. Are any of you worth keeping? Like, uh, where? Right, we just—they just paid a ton of people, right? Yeah, they're Big probably gonna, they're probably going to pay Casey Middlestat if Kevin well, Adams has his way. He was on the uh, on the station on Tuesday. It sounds yeah. like that's going to happen, right? Well, which, honestly, Middlestat's been one of your better players, he's so one of the few consistent guys. Yes, and he's he's out there giving it his all every week. So I'm all for that. Truthfully, I was a big Middlestat hater in the beginning, but when he yeah. was like one of the, he was not putting up the numbers. Let's just yep. say that. Yep, he's really been consistent, opening it up. Some from like the second half of last season mm-hmm. through the entire season so far. Yep. So give me middle stat then, or I mean the value is just increased. The on value him quite continues a bit. to go continues up. Continues to go up. Mm-hmm. It's just like when Victor Olofsson kept scoring those open net goals, and, and we all couldn't wait. And we're they like, still listen, kept him. Yeah, yeah. Like, listen, he's a big goal scorer. He scores all on the open nets. He's got trade value now. Nope, nope. Lo- we lo- kept him. Love a team that never makes a trade. Yeah. Got to take a quick time out here. If you want to join our Sabres discussion, you can do so, 803-0550. We are open up the rest of the way. And also, I want to do this at, at the top of the 11 o'clock hour here. I want to jump into that 2011 draft class. Joe DiBiase put out a tweet of the Atlanta <laughs> Falcons and, and their trade-up to go get Julio Jones. I kind of want to jump into that because it's a very different circumstance when they trade up to go get Julio than it is this year. So I want to jump in that probably at 11 o'clock. But we're always looking for your calls, 803-0550. Zach Jones, Joe Cali filling in here on the Extra Point Show, and you're listening to WGR. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Contest time. Be call number five at 716-221-4WGR. That's 716-221-4947 to win a pair of tickets to see Tower of Power on Saturday, March 2nd at the OLG stage at Fallsview Casino at 8 p.m. plus a $100 dinner voucher for Overtime Sports Lounge. 
Must be 19 years of age or older to win. And for tickets, visit Fallsview Casino Resort. Dot com. Good luck, everyone, on that. It's a great venue, by the way. I've been there for a couple Have things. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Two things I want to bring up now. <laughs> it was just going to be the one. It's going to be one. Coming back. I Here was we like, go. Oh, got to see this, too. So, number one, we are actually going to be getting a college football game. EA Sports announced they're going to be fully at least unveiling it in May. And we won't get it until 2028. I'm kidding. Oh, but that's, I, was, I was like, did I miss something? No, that's what it's going to be. I guarantee it. It's like, G- We've got it's all this. like GTA yeah, 6. Yeah. Everyone's like, we're not actually going to get it until 2030. They're right. going to announce it in 2024. Yeah. But so that's going to be unveiled in May and then come out in the summer. That should be amazing. It's going to be coming out right as we're kind of like gearing up for college football to come back. And I know for many of us who grew up in, I mean, we're in our teens in the 2010s. That was like the sports game for many of us. Franchise mode or really a yeah. dynasty mode uh, was a blast to play. Um, I'm a Texas fan, but realistically, I played as UB a ton. And, yeah, and, and, Buffalo and, team, yeah. And the goal to get UB into like the top 25 and mm-hmm. become, become a Mac dynasty was just chef's kiss. Like I, I could do that for days on end. Yeah. I will tell you, and I was saying this to you in the break, my goal is this hits and is a good game so that we eventually get a college basketball game. Yeah. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. I, then you can request off for college basketball for March Madness when you got the tourney in there. And it's it's, it's going to be over. Be like, yeah, yeah. guys, like March Madness is, is coming up in my game. Like, yeah, I'm and out it's, for two it's days. middle of June. It's yeah, middle just, of June. Yeah. Like, I'm out for two days, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm the head coach at Grand Canyon. Like, I can't. I, like, yeah, we can't be doing this. We can't on. be doing this. And then the other thing, real quick before we take our next time out, one team that is likely going to take quarterback in the top three, the mm-hmm. New England Patriots. But apparently, this is coming from Albert Breer, who is an NFL reporter. Uh, the Patriots QB room was so, quote-unquote, toxic, Bailey Zappi would sometimes watch tape in the receiver's room mm. and not the quarterback room. And then we have a quote here as well. Mac Jones was really liked early on, but over time lost support in the building and the quarterback room he was in the last two years got toxic to the point Bailey Zappi, as a rookie, sometimes watched tape in the receiver's room. That is a rough environment if you're a rookie. Yeah. You're coming in. You're not really expected to be the heir apparent. I mean, Bailey Zappi was not... I, I don't think he wasn't like an early, early. Pick. I don't think so. I think he was later. In I think he was like definitely a, fourth a dra- round pick, uh, fifth round pick. Yeah, I think he he was the fourth round in twenty twenty two. Yeah, and so it wasn't like he was coming in to like be Mac Jones's replacement. It was just a young Depth. rookie, you know, mm-hmm. second string quarterback. Max play ultimately forced Zappy in, but that is a tough environment to you know get tossed into the NFL. Do you think? That had an effect on Mac Jones as well. Do you think? Because his first season, I know it was run heavy, right? His, but he but, actually had a decent coming into the NFL moment. Mac Jones, I, from reports I've seen, he hasn't been like the greatest guy in terms of the locker room. And, and this kind of report by Albert Breer kind of confirms it. His first season was solid 22 touchdowns, 13 picks, 3,800 yards, 67 completion percentage. He had a 10 and 7 record. Like, overall, like, as a rookie, that's pretty darn good, especially for a guy that was never considered, like, off the charts athletically in anything. Yeah. But them bringing in Matt Patricia to call plays on the offense, I. That was, that was the nail in the coffin of his start, I would say. And it was his second year. Yeah. And really, for me, like, that's when, at least, like, it felt like for everyone, the jokes really started coming in on, on Bill Belichick. Yeah. Of, like, dude, what are you doing? Well, because Brady like, do you went, know anything that you're doing? Yeah, Brady went to a team with the worst winning percentage in the NFL and then won a Super Bowl right away. Won that's when it became, did Very Brady make clear. Belichick or no? No, he did not. Very clear. Yeah. His second year, uh, down two points in completion percentage to 652 
under 3,000 yards passing. He only played 14 games, though. He had that high ankle sprain, I think, or something yeah, I think like that. So. Yeah, I think so. And then 14 touchdowns, 11 picks. And then this year, uh, just bad. 64 completion percentage, 2,200 yards, played 11 games, 2-9 and nine record, 10 touchdowns, 11 picks. And OC was Bill O'Brien, right? Yeah, Bill that, O'Brien. Mm. Bill O'Brien, by the way, interesting, leaves the Patriots to go to Ohio State in January. What do you think that says about it, too? To be an OC. Mm-hmm. I, I thought mean, Chip Kelly was the yeah, OC. Yeah, this oh. is the fun part. Mm-hmm. He goes in January, accepts the position, the whole thing. Boston College's head coaching position opens up. He leaves Ohio State after being there for yeah. not even a cup of coffee, half a cup of coffee. Yeah. A sip. A sip. <laughs> to go to Boston College to be their head coach or to be yeah, to be Boston College's head coach. Yeah. Chip Kelly leaves UCLA as their head coach to be Ohio State's offensive coordinator. Yikes. That's that's weird. College is a very weird It is. It's a different animal. Right it's a different now. beast. Coaches don't want to be college coaches anymore. I no. don't think we're ever going to really get a Nick Saban who is like a college coach for effectively their entire career outside of a few years yeah. in the NFL. Even Harbaugh. I mean, he's mo- he moved right back into the Harbaugh, NFL. Harbaugh felt like he couldn't wait to get back to the NFL. He, he said it, there's no Lombardi trophy in college football. It's true. Yeah. Like that's You know what I mean? It's that's, true. And, and you're seeing a lot of coaches jump ship. Uh, many people who listen to the station regularly know that I'm a huge Texas fan. And yeah. I fully believe if Steve Sarkeesian makes another playoff appearance, wins an SEC championship, wins a national championship, mm-hmm. I think he's gone that year. I I think it goes to the NFL. Yeah. It's just, it is a 365-day job. You're working 15-hour days constantly. You're constantly recruiting, and it's it's a nightmare. It comes it, a lot. It becomes a ton. Going to take another quick time out here. I want to jump in. Joe, remind me if I forget. Okay. I want to jump in on this 2011 draft class. Jody Biasi, yes. he tweeted out what Atlanta did to trade up to go get Julio Jones. But I want to jump into that draft class and why Atlanta needed to do that. We'll do that when we come back. And we're still taking your calls. 803-0550 if you want to join the discussion. Talk NFL offseason for the Bills. Your dream scenario for the Bills going forward. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to The Extra Point Show. And this is WGR. And I want to go ahead and say this. I want to get rid of the term generational. And I want to start a new one. Statue builder. 40, 50 years from now, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. can have a statue built outside of the stadium of the team that drafts him. That's how confident I am in this prospect. He's the best player in the draft to me, regardless of position. He brings everything that you want to the table. And what was most great, or the greatest thing about Marvin Harrison Jr. this year is that he still put up great numbers despite subpar quarterback play. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in the draft. That was Jordan Reed from yesterday. That was on ESPN, I believe, or one of the, one of their shows from earlier in the afternoon. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. I I love Marvin Harrison Jr. Love him. I also think can he be him, better than his dad? Oh yeah. I well, I don't want to even say that. Definitively. I mean, he did have Peyton Manning, so it's yeah, pretty it, hard to quarterback top that. play is going to be very very important. He's I I think he goes forward to Arizona with Kyler Murray. I think that can help him a lot. His I. He has all the talent in the world to do it. It's just it's tough to say, like, is he going to be better than his Hall of Fame dad? He has all the talent to do it. I like I like Jordan Reed's idea a lot there because I, I think, Joe, I'm somebody that uses the word generational too much. And yes. I need and I need something different. Yes. I need I need a different, like, because there is guys that are like, are like, yeah, like this is a generational type prospect Mahomes that like can be a game changer. Guys, yeah. mm-hmm. I like the idea of statue builder, though, where it's like, no, no, you're taking this guy and there's a very lo- strong likelihood he is going to be like a foundational piece of like the history of your franchise. Yeah. And I like that. I don't know if Harrison Jr. fits into that. I don't think he's an overall better prospect than the Calvin Johnson. I agree. 
I actually agree with you on that. I, I don't think he does either. And a lot of this comes from the fact that I think Neighbors, Malik Neighbors out of LSU, is a closer prospect to him than many would tell you kind of in like in in the kind of the void of, of draft season. Like mm-hmm. a, a name we're really hearing gain a lot of steam, and, and it came out a little bit last night, is at quarterback, and it's J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan. Yes. A ton of people are kind of are kind of telling you, Guys, the NFL thinks way higher of McCarthy than you do. Right. Just flat out. A lot of people I've talked to about McCarthy, you know, that championship game, he only threw like 10 passes, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't do much. It was just running the ball. Harbaugh but had that smash mouth team that just did that's it. That's the thing is, like, yeah. Harbaugh runs these, like, very good run concepts and just tells his quarterback to not make mistakes. I'm fascinated by McCarthy. Number one, when you look at this draft class, namely at quarterback, you have Caleb Williams and Drake May and Jaden Daniels. Like, kind of those are the big three. Yeah, and Caleb Williams kind of... Well, yeah, William, Williams, I, he kind of fell off a little bit at the Williams, end there, I feel like. Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. are seemingly having prospect fatigue, yeah. where like we've known they've been really good for almost too long now, and right. now we're like poking and prodding. The same thing kind of happened in 2018 with the quarterback class. Everyone knew it was a good class in 2017. Mm-hmm. And then we spent all of 2017, Just talking about it. Just yeah. ripping them. Yeah. Like, just being like, find any flaw you can in all of them. Then mm-hmm. I remember by the day of the draft, I was like, I think I hate all of them. Yeah, but I know. Like, I, I can tell you like what one I really didn't like. It was Josh Rosen from all his interviews saying, "Oh man, he, I'm it, the best quarterback in this draft." His interviews were rough. Yeah. I, I it was will bad. Distinctly remember that draft for the rest of my life, watching it, getting ready, and it was just, it was just me and my dad, and I was keeping my brother updated because he was on a uh, on a school trip. I think it was a band trip, so I, I, had, to, I, I had to keep him posted. So mm-hmm. I'm texting him like if any trade happened or what's going on, and I'm just sitting there and and just full, you know. Full transparency. I was a huge Sam Darnold guy. Like, that's who I wanted the Bills to go get, but I kind of knew it was going to be the Jets, if not the Browns had won. Right. So I kind of knew that. But I remember we're sitting there watching the interviews of draft day, and my dad just sits there and goes, Yeah, Rosen can't fill out a suit. No. And he was petrified. Like, up until that point, he was kind of like, I like Rosen. I'd be fine with Rosen. I'm happy with Rosen, the whole thing. He saw he couldn't fill out a suit and was like, immediately like, Not him. Anyone but him. And yeah. he quickly became the Allen guy because when you saw Allen show up, big dude, the whole thing, he goes, that guy's never going to get hurt. Yeah. And Allen's picked up a few knocks here and there, but for the most he's part. He's played through every one he's of them. Played, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. really played through most of his career. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, too. It's just. But, so, yeah, like prospect fatigue. I yeah. think it's kind of happened with Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, then you have kind of the opposite where I've seen people talk about Caleb Williams as, like, the greatest quarterback prospect of all time. Yeah. That's just flat out incorrect. The greatest quarterback prospect that's ever been alive in, in I would say, both of our lifetimes has been Andrew Luck. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I was not alive for Elway, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw Elway out there. No, but we're Luck, alive for the John Elway yeah. on steroids, according to Vic Fangio. Exactly. That's what we're doing with exactly. Mm-hmm. Luck was different. Luck was a different breed. He at was. Stanford. He retired so early too. Like in the NFL, the Colts. Oh, like, and ah, this was just right him. as they were about to get a good offensive yes, line. That's, exactly. That's the most heartbreaking part. Is that when you look at it, you're like, he was like so close to being part of like a really good Colts team, right? And then he retires, and that entire, I mean, really up until they drafted Anthony Richardson this past season, it has been no man's land. Like, no. they don't know what they're doing. I think they went five straight seasons of different quarterbacks, and, man, it was tough. But, yeah. Remember, me, they put 45 points up on the Bills. Their run game was carrying them for Jonathan a long Taylor, time. Man. Jonathan yeah. Taylor was amazing. But, yeah, Andrew Luck, his freshman year he started, as a, I, I believe, as a redshirt freshman at Stanford. 13 touchdowns, four picks, over 2,500 yards. His second season, his sophomore year at Stanford, this is in 2010, 32 touchdowns, eight picks, 3,300 yards passing. This is with, I think, Harbaugh as his coach as well. So they, they were kind of run heavy as well. And 70 completion percentage. And then, kind of unheard of, a lot of times in college, 
has a better final season. Mm-hmm. 3,500 yards, 71% completion percentage on 400 attempts, 37 touchdowns and 10 picks. He, I, Andrew Luck was different. Andrew was. Luck was different. And, and really, he was also kind of ahead of his time. A big guy, didn't really care about the picks, was there to get touchdowns. Gunslinger. And a gunslinger mm-hmm. mentality and could move. And But injuries just derailed his career. But yeah, for me, that's in, in my lifetime, that's the greatest quarterback prospect. Mm-hmm. And it's the same happened with Marvin Harrison Jr. Like you either have people that are like hating on him, or I don't even say hating, but like kind of like like yeah, poking and prodding a little yeah. bit too much, and other people. And I respect Jordan Reed a ton, but like I don't think Harrison is that. Mm-hmm. This guy that is like going to like radically change your franchise, and he's also why I'm very much against the idea that has been proposed a few times. I'm not saying anyone here has necessarily proposed it, but Jody Biasi today tweeted out that the Falcons, after a 13-3 season with a first-team All-Pro wide receiver Roddy White coming off a 1,400-yard season at 29 years old, decided to do this. Trade away the 27th overall pick of that year, a future first, I believe it was the next year's first-round pick, a second and a fourth to go to the sixth overall pick and draft Julio Jones. (laughs) I think the Bills would have to get to four to take Marvin Harrison Jr. They would have to go up to Arizona's spot from 28. So yes. it's a relatively similar spot. Uh, Atlanta was in 27. We're in 28. Four instead of six. The difference is, and we've talked about it a ton already with this draft class, how loaded it is from top to bottom. We have three kind of clear-cut number one guys. Marvin Harrison, as we've talked about, Malik Neighbors, and Roma Dunze. And then after that, you get to the Brian Thomases, the Troy Franklins, the Texas duo in Edney Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. If you want to go to the Florida State duo in Keon Coleman and, Jordan, and Johnny Wilson, so many names. Truly so many names. There are. Lad McConkney, you, you know, there's a ton of guys. In 2011, it was very different. Very different. This is also the year the Bills picked third, and potentially the only time in the drought they were truly a bad team, they take Marcel Darius. Yeah. The first receiver off the board goes at four. That is A.J. Green, who did have a very, very good NFL career. He did. And potentially Hall of Fame level career. Mm -hmm. The next receiver that is taken is at six. That is Julio Jones. The next receiver that is taken in the first round. Oh, you got to scroll way down. 26 to Mm -hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, funny enough. Jonathan Baldwin. From Pitt. Baldwin basically didn't do anything. He was on <laughs> Kansas City for two years. Yeah. 49ers for a year and is cut from the Detroit Lions. Literally does almost nothing. That's the last wide receiver as well of the first round. Of the first round. Uh-huh. The next guy that is taken is in the second round, and that is Titus Young from Boise State going to the Detroit Lions. He is Whoa. also on a roster. For two years. Nothing. And then he is cut by the St. Louis Rams in 2013. Mm. He also ran into some legal troubles as well, and, and he had a lot going on. But that's uh, the second receiver, t- or that's the fourth receiver total taken in the draft. That's insane, because I feel like in recent history, at least, it's been so many just picked off right at the top, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Drafts change. Yeah, they do. Because like, the look at the 2018 rec- quarterback class versus last season. It's mm-hmm. different, you know? The wide receiver position has truly changed. And I want to say, like, they've all been bad in this. I mean, in this draft class as well, Randall Cobb is taken in the second round and, yes. and, and, and such. But it was not this draft class. And that is where I've seen people talk about trading up to go get that guy. Like the next Julio Jones. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't think it's needed at all i feel like there are a plethora of them in this draft that you could Mm -hmm. that you could work with truthfully at at your pick i don't think you need to 
you know, sell the house to go get one right up at the top. And, like and that's that. the thing. You would kind of be selling the house. I mean, ultimately, you're a team that desperately needs to get younger. You have a ton of cap issues. Yeah. So let's just look at the dra- at, at the trade that was done by Atlanta to move up. You're trading this first round pick. You're swapping, sorry, that first round pick to go up to four. Again, this is where likely Marvin Harrison Jr. is being taken. So you're moving up to four. Yeah. Next year's first round pick, this year's second, and this year's fourth. Yes, you have 10 picks, but you have needs at defensive tackle. You have needs at safety. Really, you have needs on the defensive line as a whole. You still kind of need another wide receiver in this room as well. You don't really need just one. And all of a sudden, all to get one guy, very quickly, your needs become way more exaggerated because you don't have the draft capital you had before. Mm -hmm. You moved up really quick. So now it becomes like 2014 when the Bills moved up to go get Sammy Watkins. Yeah, the Clemson guy. But that's a Rex Ryan pick right there. That doesn't hit, and it's a problem. I mean, they really don't recover from that. They don't at all. Yeah. EJ doesn't work, sure, nope. but when you look at the other receivers taken in that draft class, in a year that is similar to this one, Sammy Watkins is the first wide receiver taken. Then Mike Evans. Then Odell Beckham Jr. Brandon Cooks is taken in the first round. Wow. Calvin Benjamin is also taken in the first round. Heavy wide receiver class. That is just in round one. Keep it going from there. Devontae I mean... Adams is taken in round two. Whoa. Allen Robinson is taken in round two. Jarvis Landry is taken in round two. So a lot of the receivers playing at elite levels today mm-hmm. are, were in that draft. Oh, yeah. I, and, and Devontae re- Adams in round two. That's crazy to think right? about. Yeah. And the reason why I'm bringing up 2014 and comparing it to 2011 is because 2011 did have like, Julio Jones and A.J. Green both were considered like unbelievable prospects. 100%. But the reason why I'm also bringing up 2014 is to show that but if you do miss on that wide receiver, it is painful because of how far you had to move up and you talk about wasting a prime of Allen that's wasting a prime now with Allen being the quarterback compared to EJ Manuel the likelihood of it breaking is not high yeah the likelihood of it hitting is huge right but my thing with this is just but with Allen a quarterback you will likely get the most out of a guy like a Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU, a Troy Franklin out of Oregon, yep. a Javon Baker out of UCF. If you go around, if you go right. around two or three, Brian you will Thomas likely get the most out of those guys. Yeah, and Brian Thomas Jr. who's that's why I have the Bills taking at number twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. Like truthfully, and guess what? There's a chance you're going to take him at number twenty-eight. You're not going to have to trade up for him and sell the house. I mean, we we talked about it yesterday. Uh, me and uh, me and Josh did with Field Yates is is. Um, his first mock draft. Mock draft, yeah. He only had five receivers going in the first round. For the sole fact of it's so talented mm-hmm. that people in teams will just be like, you know what? Let's go edge rusher. Let's go offensive tackle right. first. That's also a deep class, but it's a bigger need than going get another wide receiver. Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports joined Shilton the Bulldog yesterday and said a similar thing of just like, no, I think that's more likely than the 7-8 guys because teams will realize I can wait a second. You know, especially in the middle of the first round where they're not – like having to wait to like 60 to 65 in the right. second round to go with their second guy. I didn't even bring up my maybe favorite value pick in the second round at wide receivers, Jalen Polk out of Washington. I yeah. love him. I can't wait to see how he tested the combine later this month. I cannot wait. Oh, that's right. We're we're officially into the offseason now that the Super Bowl is over. This is crazy. 
I'm excited. It flies by. Yeah. Draft season actually flies by now that your team is good. Because mm-hmm. I remember, man, when I was growing up, I'm a few years older than you, but when I was growing up, I had a tough time of, like, draft season for me would begin November. Yeah. And I'm a college football junkie, so, like, I was watching college football anyways, but, like, right, just I'm, like, talking, where the like, Bills were. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking, mm-hmm. like, I'm reading mock drafts. Yeah. As, like, the Bills are getting ready to play, like, the New England Patriots, and they have, like, three wins, and I'm, like... Yeah, at that they time I think get a quarterback. Yeah. Let's go. Right like, at know. that time I think I was learning why the, everyone boos the commissioner. I think that's what I was more. That's, fo- you were figuring that, it that's out. what I was more focused on at that point in my life. So, but so like that was my thing is like you find out really quick just how fast this comes, which is also you know as the older I've gotten, the more sympathy I have for a lot of these rookies. Where man, like your life just this this whole year is a blur. Yeah, from January first, especially if you're playing in, in the college football playoff, till January first. It is a blur because they, you know, they go right from college. They start getting ready for the combine. They're working on mock interviews because they're going to get just grilled at said combine and, and then on official team visits and at their pro days. And then after that, like you got like a week and a half and then you're at rookie camps. And then you got mandatory mini camps mm-hmm. and then you have training camp. And it's just, man, it is a whirlwind. But so, I mean, for me, like that's my thing is just, and I kind of want to set this up early. Do I think the Bills can trade up in the first round? Probably. Yeah. Brandon Bean's kind of shown he's willing to move up three or four picks to get the guy he wants. And I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that. But the big trade-ups, the kind of where the main story of the draft kind of trade-ups, mm-hmm. that is just not needed this year. No, it's, it's not. It's just not It'd needed. It'd be different if you didn't have a Stefan Diggs. You didn't have a wide receiver one, yeah. pretty much. Like, that's and, when, and okay, be, go get the big yeah. guy. And, and it'd then, be different if, like... Really, we only had like the three receivers, and after that, it's like a I don't know, mm-hmm. like but they're you, all kind of bad or they're all kind of good. Yeah. Like we don't know. You have then Shakir, you have all those guys. You like, have Shakir, you have yeah. Kincaid. You also have ten picks. Yeah, and in a deep draft class, you, this, this is where like I'm even kind of I'm both preparing myself, but also preparing a lot of listeners too. Of like, no, they're hey, not going to take a wide receiver in the first round. Yeah, if they take defensive tackle in the first round because five or six guys went, mm-hmm. that's all right. That think, just means the run in the second round may not be as bad. You think they take a safety? A ton. Because the guy, the guy out of Miami, yeah. Cameron Kitchens. Yep, yep. Kinchins. You think not, they would I, grab I always him? want to say Kitchens, but it's Kinchins. <laughs> Cameron Kinchins. Uh, that wouldn't be a bad pick at all, especially if like no safety's been taken. That wouldn't be a bad idea, and especially if like Byron Murphy's gone, the the guy at Illinois's gone, Tavondre Sweat's gone. Like that wouldn't be a bad idea at all. Yeah. But I'm kind of preparing myself, especially because then I do fully believe rounds two and three, all the taken wide receiver. Mainly because, Joe, I think that is such a need, wide receiver. But they're in the perfect draft class that they'll be able to do it. Yeah. When you look at last year's draft class, and 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 it's easier to always look at last year's draft class compared to this, you know, compared to this year's. It's it's only one year difference. Right. In hindsight, twenty twenty. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But last year's draft class, when we were going through this, the wide receivers were not considered very good. No. They were considered solid, fine. Yeah, nothing but, but out Ad- of this world. Yeah. Jordan yeah. Addison followed up by Bolitnikoff award-winning season mm-hmm. at Pittsburgh, going to UC- USC and having a down year. Mm-hmm. Zay Flowers was solid out of Boston College, and he was the most fun guy, but he didn't really know. Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State was considered a dude that was interesting, but nothing really crazy. Right. And then Quentin Johnson out of TCU, I think most draft analysts were kind of sitting there going, I don't know, man. Like, that's kind of concerning. And that was your first round. Then, of course, you do get the guys like Rasheed Rice and, and such in the second round. Yes. But at the time, it was a bad draft class to, like, want to get aggressive in the first round. Oh, yeah. This year is far different. 
and it's not something where if you know three four receivers go, you're sitting there going, I don't know what we're doing. I, like like I guess we have to go take Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, right. It's it, it, it's it's very different. It's from it years is. Past. It's one hundred percent different, and it kind of is an exciting different. I think it's with all, how deep it is. Dude, I, I think I, I'm very much looking forward to that. I was saying. Right when this this kind of process started, I've been very excited at the fact that we're we are going to get a little bit of a of a retool here for the Bills. I'm excited that they're going to get younger. I'm excited at the fact that in their uh, their their end of season press conferences, both McDermott and Bean were pretty aggressive on the sense of like, no, no, we need more explosive plays. McDermott got really defensive and was like, no, I cut my teeth with Andy Reid. I want to win passing the ball. Mm-hmm. I got excited because I'm like. This is the perfect draft class They're to fired have up. that mindset. Yeah. And it's also not like the Bills have never attacked the wide receiver position. In the year before they got Stephon Diggs, they go and sign John Brown and Cole Beasley. They mm-hmm. saw that both those guys weren't the one. Great. Next offseason, go get Stephon Diggs. My problem has been is that they got Diggs and stopped. Mm-hmm. They, they said that's dra- enough. Yeah. yeah and that's they it. haven't drafted a receiver in the first three rounds. Gabe Davis is a fourth-round pick. And ultimately, you got phenomenal value from Gabe Davis a fourth-round pick. Phenomenal. Yeah. But they have not... I think, retooled in the way that they should. And that's where Green Bay has become the team I want to emulate so, so bad. Of just Not just first-round receivers, second-round, third-round, fourth-round. Just grab guys. Grab guys with elite traits here and there mm-hmm. and just build out your receiver unit so that when Diggs does eventually retire or hit that wall and just you know flatline, you're not panicking. No, you have the backup. You have backup. That's and, what and, you want. And I'm worried that we're already kind of at that spot of a little bit of panic because, well, what if Diggs really did hit the wall? Mm. You know? The, you I haven't thought about it like that. You don't really have that yeah. young receiver. Khalil Shakir is fun, but he's a slot guy. Kincaid's a tight end. You don't really have that young guy that you can go, okay, it's your time to shine now. They don't have it. No. They thought it was Davis. Davis that, that was more wishful thinking than anything. He's not built for the, the position he's playing right now. Yeah. He's trying to fill Emmanuel Sanders' shoes because, honestly, that's what kept Diggs not double-covered and locked down every yeah. game. And, and Davis doesn't do – he can't play that position. Can't play that position. And to be perfectly honest, man, they haven't even re- replaced John Brown. No. With, 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 with the speed and the downfield ability he had, they, they have not replaced that They since. tried to with Emmanuel Sanders, and guess what? That was a passable – Substitute, yeah, but he got but he old was fast. done within a year. Yeah, he yeah. got old fast. He did too. not permanently solve that problem at all. That's the problem. And it's just been it's been duct tape and duct tape that's been reused. It's not fresh. It's no. not holding anything together. It's it's we're in an interesting time, but I think an exciting time. Got to take a quick time out here. What are your feelings on this offseason? Do you think the Bills should trade up? Am I off? Is Joe off on this? Do they need to go up and get one of the big three? Love to hear your thoughts. Eight zero three zero five fifty is the number to call. Going to take a quick time out here. Zach Jones, Joe Callie, filling in here on the Extra Point Show, and you're listening to WGR. I hate it for what it means for Bills fans, because you're going into this offseason like looking at all of these exciting wide receivers like Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, and you're like, all right, what's it going to take? Harrison's probably a little bit of a pipe dream. It would cost a little bit too much to get up into the top five. But, you know, we've seen in years past where wide receivers have kind of hung around a little bit longer sometimes than you might think, depending on what teams need, what teams need to add. A lot of these bad teams have been adding wide receivers over the last couple of years. Matt Perino there, Syracuse.com, on earlier today with Jeremy and Joe, talking a little bit about the idea of trading up and going at a receiver. And that's the thing. It has become the marquee position in football outside of quarterback. I mean, just... And that's that's where my frustration has come from the Bills of just kind of ignoring it once they got digs going you know piecemeal here and there. But like if we're if we're gonna sit here in this offseason, Joe, and build up Justin Shorter, 
Yeah, no. It's literally, like you said, a metaphor, if you will. It's it's a piece of duct tape on a heavy bag that you just continue to beat the crap mm-hmm. out of. Yep. And it's just not not fixing it. Like It's, it's just it's it's not temporary holding, together. holding it, and you just keep punching it, and it just doesn't work. I can it's see be shorter being like your not Gabe Davis, but like your Gabe Davis when he was a rookie. Yeah. So your number mm-hmm. four option. Big yes. guy, the whole thing. Potential, but he was a fifth-round pick for a reason. Yep. Did not do much in college. Do not tell me what he did in high school. I simply do not care anymore. Right. It's a different ballgame in high school. It's a different ballgame. Time now to get connected to our fans. Brought to you by Northtown Kia. Shop online at northtownkia.com. Let's go to Bill on the line. Bill, how are we doing this morning? Hey, guys. Doing good. Hey, man. I've been on this receiver train. Oh, my God. I remember calling John Murphy when DK Metcalf was coming out. <laughs> there and we go. All right. And I remember the whole thing. Oh, he lifts too many weights, and he's, he's this. He's going to get hurt. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care. The guy's huge. I compared him to T.O. I remember that dude is built. He's jacked like T.O. Mm-hmm. Touches everything. He's fast as hell. We all remember him running down that guy when that guy intercepted that ball years ago. And John Murphy pretty much was pounding the table for DK Metcalf. And then, you know, they would say, oh, but they need this. They need a DN or they need an edge rusher. And, and John Murphy, same thing in me. He would say the same thing every time he go again. I don't care. I want DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt. We got Ed Oliver. He's okay. He's a good player. Solid. He ain't DK Metcalf. And Every year since then, I've been picturing Allen throwing the ball to D.K. Metcalf, like McNabb was, Torello, <laughs> and Sprouser. And it's just like, man, if we had that guy, oh, my God, how good would this offense have been? He, he's, he's a beast. He's been in the Pro Bowl every year since he's been in the league. He is great. And he's not hurt a lot either. So that whole notion was we passed. And it's been constant defensive linemen, corners, defensive linemen. And, yeah, you need him. But Bean has been missing. He's signing Trent Murphy to remember him. Uh, signing Mario Addison, do you remember him? And now the Von Miller debacle. I mean, it's been defensive end after defensive end. Guys you even forgot about. Pouring money into that. Von Miller's contract is terrible. It's an albatross around the neck on this team. Mm-hmm. And we could have drafted, drafted Jefferson a few years ago. who would have been a lot cheaper. And we wouldn't be hamstrung by Diggs' contract either. And then we could have gone and got uh, Higgins from Cincinnati right now. And Burrow, they gave him Jamar Chase. They gave Dak Prescott uh, CeeDee Lamb. And those combinations have been dynamic since it's happened. Mm-hmm. We will not draft the receiver. I actually give up. I oh. give up on being drafted oh. receiver. I, I don't – I just don't – he won't do it. He will not do it. They will draft defensive again, and I just – I don't get my hopes up anymore because I just – I don't think they'll ever do it for Allen. They'll, you know what they'll do? It? When Allen's done and is retired, they'll draft the receiver in the first round then. That's what I think they'll do. But they'll be gone by then. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be a personal <laughs> attack at that point. Yeah. Now, Bill, I, I, got, I got to ask you before I let you go here. DK Metcalf was a second-round pick. And we know this. Well, no, it's true. And we know this draft class is loaded. He, that is right. I mean, he was attacked for a, a, a running a bad three cone drill. He was ridiculous. Yeah. But with yeah. with this draft I class being care. loaded, would you be okay though watched, if they drafted a receiver in rounds two and three, but did go defensive tackle in round one? Well, yeah, or or at corner. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what they whatever they got to do to make sense. Like the Kincaid pick turned out to be a really good one. Sure, because mm-hmm. the good receivers were gone. But I'm sick of the the notion. That all the good ones are gone, so we're going with a player of value of need here. And just like, get Allen a receiver, man. Just get him somebody. Get him somebody. And this goes back to the Diggs deal. Like, we could have drafted one that year, and instead they didn't do it. They they traded for Diggs, and, and we could have had Jefferson cheap. And, you know, it just I, – I, I don't know. Just a lot of the moves they've made. The team's been really good. They're solid. Um, coach is good. We still got to get through Mahomes. That's another story for another day <laughs> to start with. But, like – um, just, just I, I want I want a first rounder. I don't want to hear mm-hmm. oh the value board and this and that. Hey man, we're, we're not getting we're not getting to the Super Bowl with what we're doing. I think sometimes you just gotta 
Like, well, trading up would be great if they can get up to a spot to get. I mean, Zay Flowers last year, I, I love that guy coming out of college, or the guy from Minnesota, um, Addison. Yep. They both had really good rookie years. I'm sick of hearing, oh, he's a rookie, he won't contribute. That, that's nonsense. Kincaid is a tight end contributor this year, too, and they say the same thing about tight ends. So we'll see what they do, but I've given up. Like, I know you guys, all the, the radio guys, all you guys from morning to night always want the receiver, but we've been talking about this for so long now. It's just, I have, I have no faith that they'll do it. I just don't. Oh, man, Bill, you're, you're breaking my heart. Thanks for the call, man. For 25 years, we've been on the wide receiver show. It hits, but it's felt like that. It really, it, it really has it felt does. like that. It feels like my entire life. There, there's always been the mm-hmm. whisper of, "Hey, now I, I, I do want to, I do want to jump on on the on the Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs point. They mm-hmm. were going for the immediate guy. They, they knew Allen was entering a a clear cut. Hey, he's got to hit now, or he's never going to hit. Yeah. point in his career, and they got the guy that they thought could help now, and he did. He's broken most Bills receiving records in his relatively short time here and on a down year he still had a relatively similar a relatively year, solid to, year. Yeah, yeah and then jefferson of course too no one knew he was going to be that right away no i mean he and, and, and it's the same i've seen very few people but enough that have brought up like instead of drafting justin short in the fifth round you should have drafted puka nakua Okay. Hindsight's no twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. Hindsight's like, twenty twenty, and very few people no knew one Puka knew Puka Nakua Nuku was going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Like he took advantage of the fact that Cooper Cup was immediately hurt, and Sean McVay saw gold in him. Yeah. For like three things he did well, and also Puka Nakua was brought up as well. Having Cooper Cup in that locker room with him, a kind of somewhat similar receiver to him, similar sort of you know backgrounds of like coming from like smaller schools and being later on draft picks, it helped him immensely yeah. early on. And so, playing the identical position pretty exactly. much. Yeah. Helped mm-hmm. him immensely. Could Diggs have done that? Absolutely. Diggs himself is a fifth round pick. But he did go to Maryland and was recruited highly. He stayed at Maryland for personal reasons with his family. Yeah. And that's the thing too, like Bill's breaking my heart though. He, he like he it, I mean, they're, they're going to take a receiver, right? I mean, there'd be riots. Well, it, you ever seen Bruce Almighty? Yeah. Okay, it would look like that, except that's when the Sabres win the Stanley Cup at the end and the riots mm-hmm. yep. are in the streets. Yep. It would be wide receiver chance or outside of Highmark Stadium. That's what I'm saying. Like, what it, would, it, would be. Be, it would be a disaster. Yeah. I think as well, and, and, and why I asked Bill the question, too, of like, well, let's say they, they don't take a receiver in round one, but they take one and two and three. Mm-hmm. I'm just as excited about that as I would be if they took one in round one. Well, that's like, like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. It's so such a deep draft class mm-hmm. where those round two and three receivers probably stack up with that round one wide receiver, right? From so, years past, yeah. yeah. So you're not necessarily skipping out on it if they're... If, if your guy gets taken in the first round, the one you had your eye on, the next guy you had your eye on might be a safety, cornerback, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. But, I'm fine with that, but I mean, I just, the cornerback, I, I was pushing for cornerback with Kyer Elam, big time, not Kyer necessarily, but I was saying cornerback's the way to go. That made sense too, especially, you know, you knew Trey White was coming off a torn ACL, yes. wasn't going to start the year. Yeah. There was a clear cut, like, guys, we're going to play the Rams. Like, yes. Or we, we didn't know at that point, but it's like, we cannot go in week one no, yeah. with the current cornerback room we had. Right. And he goes on to be the number two to a quarterback, or cornerback, I keep I keep mixing quarterback and quarterback. It's, it's, it's fun. Cornerback you drafted later in the draft mm-hmm. is outperforming him. Yeah. So like, what's the value of wasting that in the first round? You know, like yeah. it could go any way. Hindsight again is undefeated. Twenty twenty. It's beautiful. You'll. It's easy to go back and say things like that. Like, oh, the Bills shouldn't have drafted Marcel Darius. Of course, right? But it was terrible time, at the time. At the time, oh man, he I, was fantastic out of Alabama. I so people forget, like that was the start of the Nick Saban Alabama. It was. Dominance. Yeah. And Darius and Mark Ingram were the. Bases of it. Yes. And I mean, like, that pick made sense at the time. Yeah. Absolutely made sense at the time. But man, yeah, oh, just. 
It's tough. It, it is. It, it's, it's just tough. a tough situation. It really is. But I, I, I understand Bill's anger because like this is kind of in my thing too like i do a lot of draft profiles uh coming into the off season wide receiver is easily my favorite position to scout it is my favorite position in football there's a big reason why stefan diggs is my favorite bill currently mm-hmm. even with everything that goes on in the off seasons he is still maybe my favorite all-time bill josh allen did more for me in terms of my fandom as a buffalo bills fan 100 but the moment stefan diggs retires i am getting a jersey of his. The moment it happens. You have to. I, he was a big part to Josh Allen's yeah. success, and Josh Allen was a big part to his success, yep. truthfully. Like, they chal- they they traded off of one another. I mean, both have, both have said it. Like, they they got every day that, like, they found yeah. each other because Diggs, up to that point, was kind of this unknown, a little bit of a DJ Moore-like, where everyone thinks he's pretty good, but the stats are kind of, like, up and down. Mm-hmm. The moment he got to Buffalo with Allen, it was, oh, okay, now he's a 1,500-yard receiver, double-digit touchdowns, over 100 catches, the whole thing. Well, that's the difference between Case Keenum and yeah. Josh Allen in a lot of situations, and Kirk Cousins. You know, many you know, people don't mm-hmm. know the differences between them, but no. they're right there. They did play on the same team for a little bit there. They did. So, they did. yeah, yeah. But um, you have that, and then for Allen, it was the same thing. He, you know, went up in 10 touchdowns mm-hmm. in terms of passing his rookie to sophomore year, but he's only had 20 touchdown passes. Like, there was still kind yeah. of this feeling of, like, what's he as a modern receiver or modern quarterback? Next year, he had 17 touchdown passes. He throws 37. Mm-hmm. And still, I think personally, his best year passing was 2020. 100%. 37 passing touchdowns, only 10 picks, mm-hmm. over well over 4,000 yards. Yeah. Easily his best one. Well, the, you, you mentioned interceptions, and that's the thing that everyone hammers on Josh Allen about, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Brady had 78, including playoffs through his first six seasons. Do you know how many Josh Allen has? He's got less. Seventy-eight. He's got less. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. including playoffs. Yep. But he's got less than uh, Manning. Manning had. Oh, I, I, I got to say, Peyton Manning was. Rough give give time, me two man. seconds here because I have the list, and it is a list. Let me tell you, Peyton, it was Man- Peyton Manning is a fun quarterback to go back and look at because you also realize that like in the middle of like his early years, like they fully missed the playoffs. Yeah, like, I mean, like fully, like we're like a bad like six and ten team or something it was, like that. Yeah, it wasn't good, and he and, didn't win his first playoff game until he was twenty seven. Yeah, and look at that, Allen's already got he's what four and four, three and three, or which something also like that? tells you like just how good of, of a player and situation Mahomes has, has found himself in, where yeah. he's able to have three Super Bowls right before before he's thirty. Yes, exactly. So Manning led the pack with one hundred and ten. Marino mm-hmm. had one hundred and three. Elway ninety six. Favre ninety three. Breeze eighty two. Brady seventy eight, and Allen seventy eight. Mm-hmm. Interceptions. Through Hall of Fame, quote unquote, kind of because Tom Brady's not yet, but you know he is. Yeah. Um, and, and I will, and I will say this too: it is a little tough. This this year was rough for the interceptions. He threw eighteen. Like that that number does have to come down, right? But starting Especially that, he only, he only threw twenty nine touchdowns too. That's that was a lower number. He ran for fifteen. Yeah, but. I think yeah, that's the thing. And truthfully, it started with that Jets game. You take three of those away. You're right with Mahomes. Yeah, you're fine. You know, you're like, like that's really it. But I think a lot of it came down to, and I think a big reason why they changed up their offense, and, and why I'm not really nervous about Joe Brady, is they changed up their offense because I think they realized pretty early on we don't have the personnel to run this offense that we want to run. We just don't have it. Trent Sherfield never figured it out. Neither did Deontay Hardy. Gabe Davis, they tried for a second year for him to be the number two. That went nowhere. And while Stephon Diggs was having good early success, the team was not. And so they sacrificed Diggs' production, I think, and transitioned more to a game that could get them to winning yeah. and not wasting a year, which was kind of a feeling of a last dance for a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. Well, you heard Allen yeah. at the end of season presser at Locker Cleanout. He's excited for Joe Brady because they're going to do simple better. Yep. That's one thing with Dorsey. It was never simple. It no. was, you know what? Josh, we're going to give you eight options. You're going to have to look every way and then figure out what's going on all at one time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just... It was too much going on, too complicated for the receivers, too, as well. Yep. 
You do simple better. That's what the Bills were with Brian Dable, too, if I recall. It was a little complicated, but they figured it out. They got there, and that's been my thing. And and maybe the most powerful thing about the Chiefs is they did in the regular season. They they screwed up a lot, a lot of drops. Mm -hmm. But by the time the playoffs had come around, they just did not make simple they mistakes. Clicked. Yeah, they they you know that's when it matters. Open. Season yeah. starts in playoffs. When mm-hmm. you're in the playoffs, your season really doesn't start to week eighteen. And truthfully, and when you have a quarterback like the Mahomes, like the Allens of the world, Burrow when he's healthy, Jackson, you can figure stuff out and still win 10, 11 games. Yeah, and I tell and you, if you're what, a really good team, you win twelve or thirteen. Right. Yeah, and t- I tell you what, the way the AFC East is looking right now, um, the Bills need to do some drafting to really. <laughs> fix some issues. But, you know what I mean? And I will say You got Rodgers coming back. Yeah, oh man, don't even don't even And the Jets were competitive with you with Zach Wilson. They were. They, well they beat you They beat you once. Yeah, they beat you once. I will say and to Bill's point too, like the Bills drafting these last two years has been really good. It's been very, very good. It has. Kincaid, Osiris Torrance just this year, just off the top of my head. Uh Christian Benford has been awesome. Terrell Bernard's been fantastic. You know, Spencer Brown has now kind of solidified himself at right tackle. You're looking at a few of these spots and going, okay, it it could like now clear cut young talent are moving up. And Dorian Williams even, like we'll see what he's in year two, but a lot of us wanted to see him get the star in the division round at linebacker. Yeah. So like they're really picking up their drafting, especially in those in those earlier rounds as well, which is where it was kind of frustrating mm-hmm. these last few years. But Gotta just hope the injury bug doesn't hit. True especially, especially at, cl- at key spots like they had this year. Like yeah, linebacker, all that. Mm-hmm. Going to take a quick time out here, and when we come back, we'll get you ready for Sabres Live coming up at noon as the Sabres get ready to take on the Florida Panthers at 7 o'clock tonight, 6 o'clock pregame right here on WGR. Zach Jones, Joe Kelly filling in here on the Extra Point Show. We'll be right back. Quick final segment here as we wrap up a Thursday on the Extra Point Show. Me and Joe will be back tomorrow from 10 to 12 as well to wrap up the week. Friday. Oh, why is it gonna be Friday? There yeah. we go. I I have a big problem too with like weeks, especially like I like because I you know I have the same schedule. Like I know what I'm doing for the most part outside of like a few you know here and there. Like oh you're gonna come in earlier, but you know yeah I'll just be here for a few hours longer than I normally am. I will have such a problem with like weekdays. I'll, yeah. I'll like I'll wake up on Friday and I'll be like oh it's Wednesday. I had the, and I'll think that for like ten minutes. I've actually officially had the nightmare now that you, when I first mm-hmm, got the job here, mm-hmm. spoke of of waking up in a cold it, sweat. It took you longer than I, I thought. Yeah, it would. yeah, I missed a break or something like that. You know, like like the cold sweat. You ever you ever get that, Evan? No, man. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, there was one time where I actually it was real. It had there was one time I forgot to set an alarm and I. Got a phone call from our boss saying, "Are you okay? <laughs> Is everything all right?" <laughs> I was I, I was seven good. minutes away, so it like took me like bang yep. bang boom to get over here. But that was still kind of embarrassing. I was pretty good always with the mornings. I was very, I worked in the mornings with school. I yeah. still practice at Buff State. The whole thing. So like I was very normal with that. I am very aggressive though about setting alarms. Like I have to like before I go to bed, I will always check my phone for an alarm. Like even today, mm-hmm. I don't need one to get up. Like I'd be fine. But I set one just in case. Yeah, my circadian rhythm yeah. is is kind of on its own clock right now, so it's it's interesting. That is the most made up thing you've ever said. No, it's not. What Wayne are Gibbis you talking could have been about? Too. Oh, with circadian rhythm. I learned this in AP Psych class in my senior well, year of high school. That'll do it yeah. for me. It's like your your interior <laughs> clock. That's what it is. So like you know how you just wake up at seven thirty after you've done it for like a week. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You don't need an alarm anymore. Yep. That's your circadian rhythm, and you're tired okay. by like nine. Huh. Yeah. 
I'm still tired by like it's your, it's your body's I'm 25 internal. years old and like 10 o'clock <laughs> rolls around and I'm like, oh, it's well past my bedtime. Right, I'm, kicking the, I'm kicking the can on this one. We're going. My cousin, going had a, my cousin and her husband had surprise birthdays because they're close together. It was on Saturday. It yeah. was like 9.30. I had one alcoholic beverage and I'm like, it is well past my bedtime. It was 9.30. <laughs> yeah, you get the headache. Oh, man. I just, I'm like, I'm like, what am I doing here, man? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in my mid, I'm in my prime. Mm-hmm. And my body's like, no, you're not. Simply put, no, you're not. That's going to do it for <laughs> me and Joe. We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to 12 for another day of the – or for the extra points, though, excuse me. And we're wrapping up a week here. But coming up next, Sabres Live as we get ready for the Sabres to take on the Florida Panthers tonight at 7 o'clock. Pre-game starting at 6. You've been listening to the Extra Point Show here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.